Okay, well, let's just start. I'm going to start by asking you a bunch of questions. We have 60 people watching, which is very good. Um, okay, Simon, introduce yourself to us and tell us where you're from, tell us where you are at the moment. Yeah. Okay, so I'm uh, a Simon, I'm a British male, I'm 46. I came to Thailand when I was 26. So I've been here more or less ever since for 20 years. Before I came here, I lived in Australia for six years, more or less. Before that, I was at university in Birmingham. I worked for a bit in London, but I'm actually born and raised in Liverpool, which causes problems because Liverpool people, like, like everyone, they're proud of their city and their culture and everything. So it gets me into trouble when they meet me. One of the first things I hear is, uh, yeah, lad, what happened to your accent? Are you ashamed of where you're from or what? And I don't know what to say. <laughs> Obviously I'm not, but when you're away, you have to knock the edges off the accent a little bit so you can get away with saying things once. But I'm incredibly proud of Liverpool. As you probably even know in Austria and South Africa, Liverpool is the birthplace of music, culture, sport, fashion, literature, drama. We pretty much have given all this to the world. And- uh, Yeah, totally. You're welcome. Yeah, everywhere all the time it's like the only place you ever hear in the news we were the european city of culture in 2009 corinna you, you, <laughs> okay beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. 2009 that is so long ago there's like <laughs> that seems like yesterday Not that long ago. 11 years simon yeah but as you get older <laughs> it speeds up and as you all know, you're, you're very, very old. Super. Okay, so, <laughs> so old. Okay, so you're in Thailand now, you're in Kotao, right? Yes. So we just spoke a little bit. How is it now? How's the, how's the water? How's the fish? Um, what, what we say to each other is we feel like someone hit the reset button, the restart button. And when I came here in 2001, sand was white, beaches, empty, you know, the, some things haven't changed, but some things have. And we've gone back to much quieter, much cleaner, much more relaxed. And uh, we, we really like it. The only problem, of course, is that we are migrant workers and we have to work. And if we can't work, then we're going to have to... I, I could have to go back to to England. Liverpool. <laughs> uh, I don't think England really wants me back. A 46-year-old <laughs> diving instructor. I don't know. So we, we love to stay. We love it here. Everyone's pretty happy. Food got cheaper. Everyone's come together. I mean, it's happening all over the world, it seems. But the restaurants here are banding uh, together, organized by a few heroes like Tom Otlick and Robert Kalkwees, if that's how you say it. 
and they're cooking food for people who need it. Hundreds and hundreds of portions. There's like four to 600 portions per day. We're not a big island with 22 square kilometers. We have a few people here, but if people need help, they're getting it, which is great. And some of the people helping, you would never expected them to help. <laughs> but it brings out the best in most people. And certainly here, it definitely works. That we also, that finally, we, we haven't cleaned our houses, but we've cleaned the island. We're, we're trying. So yesterday, every dive center, every business, they told their staff, you must. And we cleaned <laughs> as much of the 22 square kilometers as we could, which is great because you, you kind of need everything to slow down so you can mm. clean it and then hopefully we can keep it clean. And I mean, it is World Ocean Day tomorrow. So good on you. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> now you know, now you know. So what did you do before becoming a dive pro? Besides what, what was the work you did in Australia and what did you study and things like that? Okay, well, Corinna, you're a, a dive instructor and more. So you've met people like me. I, uh, I turned up here in 2001, not a natural by any means. Grew up in a city. I could swim, but I wasn't sure about fish. And uh, I shouldn't really be here because <laughs> I went to school, I did okay. And then university was left to me. Parents made a big mistake. They said, uh, you can study whatever you want. We, we trust you. So I studied ancient and medieval history with archaeology and Latin. And it was too late for them to take it back. Most useful before, thing you can study ever. Should I be a doctor or a lawyer or something? Firstly, I'm not smart enough. And secondly, we see how hard they have to work. Especially so I did now. that. And uh, I enjoyed university, it was okay. Then I was hospitality. So I was a cocktail barman. I was a plate carrier for a long time, for about five years. Ended up in Australia and then got into sales. So I started selling things to people who didn't really need them, the things I was selling or, or want them. So I was selling uh, mobile phones, mobile phone contracts, insurance, things like that. And then I got into sales management and a little bit of training. And money was good, but it's uh, soul crushing for, for me because the more you sold, the more people were, you know, invested. And uh, sometimes we're unhappy. And you know, I'm not the nicest person in the world. So I didn't particularly want to be doing damage, doing harm. So then after I had a chance that the last telco I worked for was uh, OneTel in Sydney in Australia. They went bust. It's not my fault. And I got some redundancy money. And I came here to uh, meet one of my best friends, Keith, Keith Angles. I got tricked into scuba and uh, I, I never really looked back. It's, uh, it's worked out really well. well I, know, I know you like Oh, yes, I do. Where are all of my cats today? Um, okay, so you learned to dive in Kotao then. Did, you, did your whole diving career develop in Kotao then? Or 
how did it develop and was it all there or did you move somewhere else to dive ever? I think it's important to remember your roots. So um, I was a terrible student. I bolted on dive two because I saw a sea snake and no, no one told me about snakes, snakes. not swimming snakes. So I just went up and then I, I, I aborted two of my deep dives on my advanced course because I, because I was petrified. And then I, I don't know, I eventually got used to it and uh, did lots of diving, but I worked at, at the bar. So Big Blue Diving, the dive center I worked for 20 years, pretty much. They give me a job to run that bar. Best job I ever had, but not, not sustainable because get up late, set it up, perfect sunset, friends would come, drink with their friends, and then you stay up late, you go out. You, you can't do that forever. So I became a dive master in training uh, for my health, and it worked. <laughs> so I did my, as it was then, dive master in training. And then I DM'd from 2002 to 2006, on and off. Yeah, I wasn't the best dive master ever. It's still a bit, but you know, my navigation was a bit unpredictable. And if I didn't know the name of the fish, I'd just ask a couple of questions about where they store it and what it looked like, and I'd make it up. <laughs> and then 2006, my, my boss, Jim Donaldson, he basically told me, do your instructor training. He says, you, you know, we want to keep you, but you're, you're not the best DM we've ever met. You think you should teach. So I did my Paddy IDC in 2006 with Jonas Samuelson, big shot Paddy guy now. I think he's in charge of Something. Europe and everything else. Jonas, fantastic. He's one of the best trainers I, I ever met. And Kleiss Gosvik, I think. He's not with us anymore, sadly, but Kleiss was also good. And I crossed over to SSI straight away because I had to. And then I taught full-time from 2006 till 2009. And then Al Stewart, who was a mentor for me. Al came and suggested that I go and do my instructor trainer seminar with him and Gary Hawks. Did that really hard, but I enjoyed it. And then I think it was 2014, the first time I met you, I passed the, the assessment, the evaluation from Ronnie Kine and Andreas Viss. <laughs> and, uh, became... which, is, which is a very strict evaluation. Well, they were, they were harder on me than anything I've seen since, but it was good. <laughs> I enjoyed it. And uh, ITD, I think since 2014. So looking back, I did check before 2007, all those certs are gone because I didn't get kept. But mm. since 2007, I have 3,486 SSI certifications issued. 450 paddy, 1,240 have been SSI certs, oh, sorry, professional, so dive guide and up. And I trained 47 instructor trainers and 12 
instructor certified. It's quite quite impressive, isn't it? I'm I'm one of those instructor trainers, by the way, for the ones out there who don't know. <laughs> How quickly that role got reversed. But no, no manager or employer would ever call me the hardest working. But I've been busy enough. I've done, I've done a bit. Especially pros, a lot of pros. I think you're one of the one of the one uh, instructor trainers or ITDs now that has done the most in the whole SSI system. Definitely. Last time I checked, only Ronnie had more points, but. I call shenanigans because Ronnie is employed and he crosses over entire centers <laughs> and all of mine are and more than that. Well done, Simon. Well done. Thank you. So how have you been keeping busy the last three months? Well, what obviously, have you been doing? <laughs> we, when we had to close, we closed. And uh, Big Blue Diving, they were really cool. They opened up the accommodation to Myanmar, Burmese staff, Thai staff, Western staff said, uh, if you need it, you can stay here for free. And they've been feeding us. They call it the Big Blue Soup Kitchen. So we get lunch and dinner every day, which is great. And we're getting, you know, sometimes two meals and rice. So that feeds me and Maddie, my girlfriend. I mean, you, you can't ask for more from your employer than to offer free accommodation for all and free food, lunch and dinner. That was great. And then we all kind of stayed home and we were like, well, what's happening? But we're a small island and we've been incredibly lucky. We managed to close the island, I guess. And then we all started going out a bit more. So most of us are hiking, swimming, paddle boarding or kite surfing or literally never been so active. Kotao is like, is like Rome a little bit. We have like seven hills and we've been up and down every hill and we've been to the lighthouse and it was great. I mean, we're, we're not congregating. We're not going to bars. We're not getting together in big groups. When it does happen, the police slam them, find them heavily. But in our small groups, in our couples or friend groups, we've been, I think, outdoors more and exercising more and exploring our island more than we ever did. It's been great. And then there's this pre-order thing. I don't know if you get it where you are. So the restaurants and cafes will tell us the day before what they're planning to cook. We pre-order it. So they just make that. Then we turn up, we, we get it. Food's incredible. If we, if we hadn't been hiking and things, I, I don't <laughs> think I'd get out of the house. <laughs> well, it's been great and then I was very lucky we had uh, two ITC candidates on the island they waited they wanted to do ITC in April obviously we couldn't do it so we did it in May also a assistant instructor trainer upgrade was Marcus Leitinen from Finland and the two candidates Bane Leskovac or what's his real name Branislav and Leone uh, German name. So they were great. They're really nice. ITC. And it was the first ITC for years where we didn't use the swimming pool because we weren't allowed. So we've been out at the beaches and the bays. Literally no one around. We've had eagle rays come back to Japanese gardens. We've had 
we had a whale shark on our first open water training session and it was great i don't think i've enjoyed so did... itc as much in a while <laughs> so these guys are obviously spoiled now if they would have uh, if they have to do training again <laughs> all three of them uh bane and leone especially they're long time big blue people and marcus has been on cotown for a while i think i think we all enjoyed it now all we need are some students to teach and then and then we can carry on have you been doing anything online i've taught uh one nitrox 32 which was different but doable yeah so i put the slides up and all that and that was with mike speakman and when he's watching that was good and i've been in contact with i think we had almost 200 people sign up for science of diving specialty which is incredible which is amazing <laughs> and still more because they they're running out of time i think and then we yeah. had one zoom webinar yeah. with old big blue from from years ago and i think we had like 38 40 people or something from all over from like israel and australia and indonesia and europe it's really nice i don't i don't want to teach online forever but it was easier than i thought mm -hmm. and what else are you going to do <laughs> yeah it's better than it's better than nothing i also we've done so much online in the last few weeks months um better than nothing but it's also not the same it is what it is i guess and um I but mean, it's definitely something that that like especially academics and things that will have a future even after this whole virus yeah um, sure. that that every instructor should basically become aware of of how to teach online also i think Schools in the UK are transitioning now. My older brother Scott and his wife Liz, they're both teachers. And Liz is uh is posting how teachers are now giving their their lessons uh online, which Yeah. crazy. I mean how how can you control your classroom? <laughs> <laughs> you can just mute them, you know? <laughs> I've actually a, a friend of mine who's also a teacher she's like she's going to miss the mute button so much. <laughs> yeah, maybe we need to hook up the students to <laughs> gloves so we can give <laughs> electric shocks. So and attention we just give them a zap. Second Yeah. Big I think zap. that's only it's only slightly illegal in most countries. We do it to dogs. We have shock collars. <laughs> yeah, and that's horrible. Can you imagine if you could do it underwater? You you bang wouldn't your tank. Like, wouldn't it end up shocking like wouldn't the waves with the water wouldn't <laughs> it would be a, the the best way to get attention. I think it would be a good safety measure. I'm going to suggest it. <laughs> For the ones out there who the equipment developers and so on. Hey. Sure somebody watching. My students. <laughs> if you can. So what do you love most about living and working in Thailand? So as I said, back background had nothing to do with the water or scuba or anything and uh I was surprised when I came here how happy everyone was compared to places I've lived before. So I've Especially lived in the UK. Liverpool, Birmingham, London and Sydney. And they're all fantastic cities, 
But when I came here, the biggest change was almost everyone is in a good mood. Not all the time, you know, but most of the time, either because they're on holiday, which is great, or because they, they live and work here as well, and they, they love it. And that has a real powerful effect on most people, I think, but it had a real effect on me. Because you ask yourself the questions when you're in your city and your job, it's like, am I happy? Yes, normally, typically, but could I be happier? Yes. And do you know where you could be happier? Um, what you could be doing that would make you happier? Well, after I came here for the first time, I had to say yes. So that's why would you spend even another day being less happy than you could be when you could make it happen? It's not easy, but you could make it happen. You quit your job, you sell your house, you dissolve all your relationships, and you just go and chase your dream and you come and live in paradise. And then I tell you a typical day since I think we have time. So what normally happens here is uh, you wake up and a lot of us have a view, not everyone, but a lot of us. So you wake up, you sit up, you look out, you see the sea, which is nice. And compared to the North of England, it's nice and warm. So you don't have to run to the shower. You don't have to turn on your, your car to defrost the ice. You, you just, you know, you get up, it's nice, you go on your balcony, look at the view. You can order good coffee and anything you want to eat and a smiling delivery person will bring it to your balcony. You hang out with your dog who adores you or your cat if you're weird. Now I have both. And then finally you, you go to work. Now other jobs I've had, you dread going to work. You go to, to a job you loathe. And this job is different. You, you go to work and you kind of look forward to it. Then you walk down a path to get on a motorbike and driving motorbikes, I can't overestimate how happy it's made me. And then you, you go up and down hills, there's zero traffic, like a cool breeze. Look out, see the, see the sunlight reflected off the, the blue sea through the palm fronds. Get to work, hang out with people who really want to be there. Your friends and customers are happy. Mess about on boats, swim with the fish, eat tasty food, get back after your day's work. And the days are long and you, you work hard, but you get back and you hang out with your friends on the beach, watch a perfect sunset, different every time. You drink ice cold beer, cocktail, glass of wine, drink your choice, whatever. And it's nice. And then you go home safe in the knowledge that all you have to do the next day and the day after is the same thing again for as long as you want. And that's, that's huge. So you've switched your life now from painful, ghastly, something you dread, something you're constantly, you know, afraid because you have too many bills to pay and you've got a job that's difficult. You, you drive in traffic and people are trying to kill you or you're on public transport, transport with people who hate you. No one wants to talk. No one wants to make friends. You do your job and then you, then you have to come home and realize that that's it. That's it for the rest of your life. Or you come and do this for a year or more, 20, 
And I think everyone should. Otherwise, you're going to regret it. It'll be too late. And you should do it now. My, my email address is in the link. Right? <laughs> we, can, we can put it there. Yes, no problem. <laughs> it's one of the few products and services I've been able to sell without any hesitation to family, friends, people I really like, because it's made me happier than I can remember. And I would like them to be this happy as well. It is still the only job I've never called in sick for unless I was actually sick, which is huge for me. That is um, <laughs> impressive. Generally, genuinely happy to go to work. And that's, and that's something that not most people, because most people, they go to work just to get those like two weeks of holiday a year where they do what you're doing. Yeah, and it's, it wasn't that hard. I mean, it's not easy. You can't just flick a switch or click your fingers and be here, but it was worth it. And then to come and live somewhere like Thailand has been amazing. I mean, I traveled a little bit as a, as a young person, family holidays, and then a little bit as a young man. And Thailand was, was one of the places I came to. I think in 1995, I went to Koh Samui that I always remembered as amazing. Well, there's the food. The food's amazing. The weather. I found out later the diving's amazing. Thai people, there's a culture shock occasionally, but you, you should get shocked. Otherwise, you just get stuck in a rut. And if you're patient and if you're a little bit lucky, you meet some of the best people you ever met. And then the people who live here are not your normal run-of-the-mill people. I mean, I realized after the cave rescue that Klaus Rasmussen, Ben Remnants, Ivan, Ivan Karadic, Paul, I think Paul was there for a bit. You realize that these people, they're heroes. They could have died. They did it anyway. And I've, you know, I've trained with them. I've hung out with them. It's great. Miko, I don't know as well, but Miko also a hero. I know him as well. And I, I don't think I would have had that if I'd stayed in the UK or, or Australia necessarily. I might have had it, but out here, it's been, uh, been really good. That's nice. <laughs>